Welcome to Line Upon Line Bible Discussions. Uh, we're looking again today at the foundation truths from Genesis. And I'm your host, Andrew. And hopefully as we look into the word of God together, uh, we will be blessed. We're looking today at, at Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. So you can follow on uh, with the text. It will be on the screen as well. And uh, what we're looking at is really the subject of the image of God. What does it mean? And things like that. Our uh, discusser today is David Williamson from Belfast. He is going to look into the scriptures with us. And we trust that we might have a blessed time uh, together. So as we delve deeply into the word of God to try to find out more about him, more about ourselves, more about the world around us, we hope that you'll pull up a chair and join us, uh, grab a coffee and enjoy the word of God alongside us today. OK, so we're looking again in this line upon line Bible discussion, um, looking at Genesis chapter one. And we're down at verse number 26 and 27. We'll read the text together. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Well, some more interesting uh, verses from, from scripture, so very full. Uh, the, this expression, the image of God, is the title I've given to, to this discussion together. So I suppose we, we maybe should fill in a little bit of the context between these two verses that we've, we've done, Genesis 1 and 1, uh, and then we have, have come to day six now of creation. Um, the, the creation week has been running its course, Um and then at a late point in the creation week, we, we, we read um, of, of the creation of, of mankind, of, of humanity. David's back with us again today. Um, thank you, David, um, for being with us. Um, have you any, any thoughts as to why we have this, this late um, inclusion of man, as it were, um, is is there a kind of build up or or something there? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I think it's it's hard to read Genesis one without uh, coming to the conclusion that God is is working toward something. Uh, just as oh, you read down, yeah. uh, there's there's order in it. Uh, there, mm-hmm. There's purpose in the way it's put together. Uh, we often say that creation is first framed in those first few days, day one, two, and three, and then it is filled mm-hmm. in day four, five. And six, and, and time and again, there's that repeated phrase, and God saw that it was good. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's five or six times just down the passage. Mm-hmm. And then and then when man is created, we have the, the statement at the end of the chapter, God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. it's only after that then that we, we really read that this is that this is finished. So so there's a direction. And man is the final uh, point. Man is the climax. Man is the the crown of of creation. And there's another uh, word mentioned um, 
uh, in the text uh, on a few occasions, which maybe isn't noted just as much. It's the word created that we mentioned the last time we, we were uh, speaking to one another. Um, but, but this word created, it's only used in verse number one and in verse number 21, I think it is. Um, yes, and verse number 27 okay, in, yes. in Genesis 1. And on each occasion, it's used for the beginning of something new. Yeah. So, so in, ver- in verse one, a creation itself, in the beginning, God created uh-huh. the heavens and the earth. Um, so it's the, the beginning of the whole thing. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. But then in verse number 21, it says, and so God created, uh, the KJV says great whales. The, the NKJV, I think, says um great sea creatures if, if i'm right yeah so it's really the beginning of, of animal life okay yes mm-hmm. okay and then in verse number 27 uh there's a third step up it says so god created man mm-hmm. in his own image and yeah the, the point to note there just is that each use of the word create uh, points to a, a very significant step up uh-huh. In in creation, creation, then the animal creation, and then the creation of of man. And there aren't uh-huh. any steps, there are no uh-huh. further steps after that. So that all I think suggests that God is working toward that end, and, and man is the highest point in creation. Yeah, and even keeping it, it's it's interesting to me that you know there's a sense in which God could have at an instant called the whole of creation into existence mm-hmm. as it is now mm-hmm. uh, well unfallen um and yet you know he particularly sets it out in the way he does so so it must be building it, it's teaching it, it it has a didactic reason to it it has a, a yeah. teaching reason so there's a way in which man is being given this prominent place in the creation of god isn't he and when you think of the vastness of creation for a second, when we think of, you know, people, people's minds get blown by looking through telescopes and all that, and how, how wonderful, how great creation is. And, and they, they come away with this sense, as I suppose the psalmist did in some measure in, in Psalm 8, of how yeah, small they, people are in relation to the big thing. And what people, the wrong conclusion that they then draw is that man cannot be significant because he is so small. Yep. And yet what we're seeing from God's perspective is that is no account. The this, this smallness, in a sense, does not mean that man is not significant. And, and I think that's size, important. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, size and significance are two very, very, very different things. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that I think, as you said, that the psalmist in Psalm 8 you know, he, he recognized that what is man that thou art mindful of him, the son of man, that thou visitest him. Uh, you've made him a little lower than the angels, crowned him with glory and honor, and so on. So it's not just, yeah. he, he's recognizing that man is so small in that massive universe. Uh-huh. And yet he's saying man is significant. God has given yeah. him a role of yeah. special significance and authority and so on in, in the universe. So, yeah. I find, that, I find it really helpful that, because I think, I think one of the problems with the materialistic view of the universe is matter is so important in a way that it, matter becomes less important, but that's another thing. But there's a way in which matter is so important that size becomes important. Yeah. 
you know, so so you start to look at things and, and, and if you're thinking in a materialistic way, you know, you're weighing things, you're, you know, it's like the size of Mars and the size of a, 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 a child. There's, you know, and yeah, you yeah. start to think yet in God's economy, things aren't just like that. And it's maybe a really important thing to keep in mind uh, as we go through scripture and as we look at the world around us, because something is small doesn't mean it's not extremely significant. Absolutely. Um, yeah, that was helpful. Thank you. As we're looking at these verses, that then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. You're reading it and, and, it, and it reads almost as a, a conversation or a collaboration, maybe more accurately, between, between persons, yeah. or at least that seems to be what, what, how you would look at that. Let us make man in our image. Um, so do you think that's pressing the text too far or, or uh, <laughs> is there the spirit of God really leaving room for, for something? Yeah, like I mean, I, I know that there are some people that do think that you press the text too far in passages like this, but I don't think that at, at all. Um, see, once, once we accept that scripture is God's self-revelation and that that revelation is progressive mm-hmm. in its character, uh, we're, we're going to we should expect to see occasions in the Old Testament where truth, which is most fully revealed later, is prepared for or, as you've mentioned, left left room for mm-hmm. in, in earlier passages. And uh, I think these verses are a prime example. I mean, how how else can you explain the shift from the plural to the singular between verse 26 and, and 27 here? Verse 26, let us make man in our image. And then verse 27, so God made man in his own image. Yeah. yeah. In the image of God, he created created him. him. You know, so I I think that the uh, simplest way to understand it and the way which agrees with the full revelation that we have is that this is a conversation within the Godhead or as you Mm -hmm. mentioned, collaboration within the Godhead. So I, I think uh, that progressive revelation idea could be illustrated in, in, in this way. Um, I, I've enjoyed reading murder mysteries in, in the mm-hmm. past. Um, and what, what impresses me about them, if they're very good, is that when you come to the end and uh, discover who the murderer is, mm-hmm. well, you can trace back through the book and you can see how the author prepared for the final disclosure by information given along the way. Uh Now, Uh as far as God's revelation is concerned, we've reached the the end of the book, you know, with the full revelation uh, of God in the person of Christ in in the New Testament. And we can, in the same way, we can trace back and we can see how God prepared the way for this full revelation. So we're not saying that in Genesis 1, for example, there is a full revelation of the Trinity, not for a moment. But what we're saying is that there is a revelation given which perfectly prepares the way Mm -hmm. for the full revelation, which is later given of the the Trinity. Mm -hmm. I I think that's that's helpful. And uh, it's not the only place in the Old Testament where this happens. There are several occasions. Um, probably more than that actually where, where where there's there seems to be direct reference uh at, at some level to to this but that, that's helpful um now coming to the text again maybe uh, let us make 
man in our image, according to our likes. I find it fascinating the fact that if this is, in a sense, an on an, an unpacking of something more about God, but not fully developed, i.e., what, what we know in the New Testament as 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 a the revelation of the Trinity, that it's in this context, mm-hmm. that it's in the context of of God mentioning. In, in, in our image and after our likeness, you know, I, I don't know whether you've, I mean, this is just sort of, yeah, on the well, side. Yeah. Is there, yeah, but is it there kind any... of seems, it seems like there's a special interest, doesn't it? It yeah. seems as if there's a special interest there oh, that, that mm-hmm. whole, and are, are you, you thinking maybe around the area of uh, relationship and personality and so on as well? Yeah. All, all of that could be, could be in there. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're then going to see that man, in a sense, subdivides in the male and female, and and their role differences, and mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm not I'm not pushing it too far, but it, I yeah. just find it interesting that it's it's put yeah, in that, good, that yeah. context. Anyway, coming back to it, image and likeness are both mentioned here. Um, let us make man in our image according to our likeness, and let them have dominion and so on. Um, so man, mankind, I, I take it that this is unique of mankind. It doesn't mention it of the animals you mentioned earlier, the, the great sea, sea creatures that are, are created and so on. It mentions God's particular intervention in the creation in that sense of, of, of the great sea creatures. Yeah. Um, but we have here mankind, uh, of mankind, it's uniquely said that he um, make man in our image according to our likeness. Um, what, what do you believe is conveyed by these two two words, in a sense, these two terms, um, image yeah. and, and likeness? I mean, there's a lot that could be said, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, a lot has been said uh, about those two words. And the words aren't very easily distinguished. But I, I think the way that makes most sense uh, to me to distinguish them is to see in the image the idea of representation. Mm-hmm. and in okay. likeness the thought of resemblance uh now there's there's a difference in those thoughts uh you, you can represent something without resembling it i mean a flag represents a country but it doesn't look like the country okay that it represents okay so you can represent something without resembling it but god's intent for man uh, from the beginning i take it is that man both represents him and resembles him Okay, yeah. well, you know, the Lord takes the coin uh, analogy and, and says, mm-hmm. you know, whose image is on this coin? Um, and, and, and there was a sense in which representation and resemblance are they're so close in ways, you know, yeah. it, you know, often you use something that resembles to represent. Yes. Um, but as you say, there's maybe more to more to it than than than, uh, than just. Uh, there's different angles to the same thing here, maybe. Yeah. Yes, that yeah. I I mean I I take it that uh, represent representation uh, can be given by that which doesn't resemble, but the best representation is given by that which does. Okay, right. Yeah. Does, does that make yeah. sense? I don't um, know what you mean. Yes. And so the two are very closely knit. Mm-hmm. But they just maybe a different emphasis. Um, yeah. So in representation, if, if God is saying here, Les McMahon, in our in our image, um, to represent us, to mm-hmm. represent us in that sense, is yeah. that 
you, you, is that the way you're going with it? Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And after our likeness, uh, in that sense, to resemble or uh, morally the the moral nature of God. Yes, absolutely, um, absolutely. Yeah. Maybe the next question I'll, I'll actually pose here is: um, th- Does that still mark mankind out from the animals, from the animal creation? Yeah, um, yeah. Some some have said that the image of man, uh, the image of God in man, was was marred at, at the fall when when mm. sin a- entered yeah. into the world, and and there there is truth in that, in the sense that we could say that man's capacity to represent God as he should, okay, yeah, was in some sense greatly diminished. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And uh, I, the real reason I take for that is that God's likeness in man has been so greatly disfigured by the entrance of sin into okay. the world. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, Scripture still confirms that man is yes. in God's image. Right. And I mean, Genesis nine, of course, is the, the the passage which really is is worth turning to in that. But mm-hmm. go ahead. Yeah, Do you want to read a, the, the verse? Yeah. Well, it's, a, it's after it's after the flood. And uh, then in verse 6 of Genesis chapter 9, whoso sheds man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed, <clears throat> for in the image of God made he man. Yeah. So what, what we're just discovering there very simply is that at this stage, after the fall and after the flood, uh, that the fact that man was made in God's image is shown to have practical relevance. Um, so it's yeah. not just something, okay. you know, pushed to the past. Yeah, and, yeah. And pushed to history. It's something yeah. that had relevance at that stage and, and uh, has relevance at the present as well. I, th- I think that that's that's really really interesting because it gives man a dignity that really is tremendous if if we stop to think about it. I mean, people have used terms like um, being God's vice regent. Mm-hmm. And so on in relation to the world, and so we'll maybe come on to that in the rest of the verse in some measure. But um, uh, let let them have dominion over the fish of the seas, and so on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's that sense in which you know, if 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 man represents God, the natural development of that is that man has a responsibility to God, and also has a sphere over which he he has responsibility. Um, yeah, he, he represents God to someone. Yeah. There's a, so, so there's yeah, a sense true. in which yeah. he stands between God and something. Yes, yes, yes. If he's a representative. So mm-hmm. um, I, so then I think it does link with the whole idea of rule over creation and so on. Yeah, so, so th- that's three hours here then. Yeah. Do, you think, do you think there's, uh, there's rep- representation um, in our image according to our likeness, that's resemblance, um, um, let them have dominion rule. Mm-hmm. There's there's a there's a sense here. It's emphasizing how important man is now. I, I think even just discussing this really um, bring brings out something of the value of man to God, mm-hmm. uh, and and the value that we inherently give to each other. Yep. Uh, it was just something maybe we'll be able to look at a little in a little bit more in it. In, in a moment, I, I, there was one other thing I was maybe we're going to touch upon in the distinction between man and animals, mm-hmm. because I think this is one of the, an area where it's been broken down. I mean, 
biologically we're animals if you like if yes, we're just yeah, spe- yeah. speaking I'm speaking carefully there uh, if we were speaking simply from the point of view of the biologist they would see us as just another animal yeah but <laughs> there are some other many other realms which as as man is examined um um in anthropology man is seen to be superior and of a different order than, than the animals around. And do you think this comes back to this verse in some yes, way? Yes, I, I, yeah, I think it comes back to both the image and likeness in a okay. sense. Um, okay. Because yeah, yeah. the God who has, uh, um, the God who has made us to represent him has made us in a certain way that we're fit to do that. Okay, yeah. at the level yeah. of, you know, things like creativity and all these different kinds of things that we've mentioned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but as well as that, um, what God intended was that we represent him as we should. And thus there's a moral aspect. Okay. There that should is. be a moral aspect to us, which uh, reflects that. Um, and so the, you know, um, there are passages in, in scripture later on in, in the book of James and so on, which do give the impression that uh, once a person has been saved, there is a moral conformity. Uh, to to the Lord, which I, I take it is the original intention, obviously to a greater degree, but is mm. the original intention that there should be a moral conformity in man to the God that he represents. Okay, so um, what James, James passage? Do you have that one James in mind? Three, so, yeah, so James mm. chapter 3 says, uh, Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of god or the likeness the likeness of god so of god so yeah the, the, the there's that sense in which in that verse we're, we're seeing how inconsistent we can become by blessing god and yet the the ones that we're you know we're, we're, we're blessing god with our like in, a, in an outward way yeah but we're we're cursing man we're speaking negatively or disparagingly of of, of fellow men and women yeah. And in doing so, um, they actually, in a sense, resemble God. They they also represent God, you know. So so that it all comes back to this, you know, that that's inconsistent. Is that is that? Yeah, and, and yeah, and I. But I think that in that particular passage in James chapter three, that the 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 men who are being referred to, okay. who are 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 believers. Oh. Um, and I think that there's an emphasis on that in the passage because it's it's a. It's a dispute among those who seek authority and uh, okay. so on among the Lord's people. But that, yeah, you know, that that's just just by the way. All right, that's an interesting development. And uh, maybe someday we'll do a little study through James. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's really helpful. Thank you. Um, yeah. So 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 there are specific ways in which mankind clearly is distinct from the animals. Um, and, and, and even that, you, you mentioned this idea, we, we do represent him, but we should represent him. And that, that idea of oughtness <laughs> is something that will be developed in only in man as well. So, so the fact that we have this moral consciousness um, it would not be fair. And, and again, it maybe finds its, its first inklings, <laughs> its first seed in this, this idea of being made in the image of God. And, and I thought to myself when you were saying about, just occurred to me, it's not just that God has conferred his image upon mankind. It's that he has made 
them in his image. Yeah. And so that idea of an actual different creation as a result yeah. is, I think, important to keep. You know, for instance, you can take a piece of metal and you can confer an image by putting a stamp on it. That doesn't necessarily change the, much about that yeah. piece of metal other than the stamp. Um, whereas um, it just seem, it seems to me that it's in the whole of the, the human personality in that sense is being created in the image of God. Yep. It really brings home the fact that we can expect to see distinctions there, therefore in, in what a human is from what an animal is. Yep. And that when we do the creativity, the art, the music, the literature, the, you know, all those things that the moral senses, the, 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 the care for different individuals, the, you know, all different things. And, Sense of responsibility toward Sense others. Of responsibility so, yeah. to others. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's helpful. Obviously, this is this this idea of the 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 image of God and uh, Imago Day or something like that. This is way sometimes it's pronounced or Imago Day. Um, it, you know, it's been used uh, by those who are defending the truth of Christianity um, as a kind of springboard into an, an, an argument. Uh, about the inherent value of each human being. Um, uh, do, you, do you think that that really fits in with what, what we're, how we're seeing it develop in, in Genesis here? Yeah, well, you know, I mentioned Genesis 9 there. And, you know, just to read verse 6 again, um, uh, whoso sheddeth man's blood by man shall his blood be shed for in the image of God made he man. Mm-hmm. And uh, the the message there just is that human life is intrinsically valuable uh, because human beings are God's representatives on the the, the planet. To murder a human being is to destroy that which represents God. Um, Now, again, you could illustrate that. I mean, recently, you know, as we know, there's a rise in people destroying statues. And... uh, that wasn't because they didn't like the look of the statue itself or what the statue was made of or anything. It was because the statue signified or, or represented the person that it resembled. Um, uh, they couldn't reach the person it resembled because the person was dead a, a, a long time ago. So, so they showed their attitude to the person by defacing and destroying his image. Um, and, you know, what, what gave those statues any importance was the person that they represented. And uh, what what the Bible teaches, I take it is that because human beings represent God, they're made for that purpose. Mm -hmm. They have inherent value. They, they, they possess that value, not because of anything that they do or even can do, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, at at a human level, but simply because of who they are. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're God's creation and he has made them. In his image, they're people made in God's image, and, and thus they have this inherent worth, which can never really be taken from them at all. Yeah, something coming into my mind at the minute, actually, David, is, you know, it's maybe not the perfect analogy, but, um, you know, they got rid of the gold standard a while ago, yeah. Um, yeah. and then they got rid of the, all the gold bullion they had, you know, stashed away in the banks of England and different places. Um, but that was actually when you, you give over a five pound note 
there was there was a promise to pay the bearer in demand, you know, the five pounds or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you could take that and, and and actually get your apparently originally get your five gold sovereign pieces sort of thing in the original way, way of doing it, because that represented the, the gold that was already in the bank. Absolutely. When you take away the gold that's in the bank, you know, when you take away God out of the picture, the value is gone. And so now we have this problem which seems to occur, and it even occurred in Genesis 4, but it occurs now where where people are trying to find find where human value really lies in. Mm -hmm. I think we find this in this movement towards affirming everything and trying to find value in, in people's affirmation of yourself. And and so on, but that's a big subject. But it's also seen in 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 the in the way in which because they can't really, it's like going through their fingers. The the, the human value is, you know, uh, what they're left with is people have a value, but it's only an economic value or a instrumental value, yeah. a value that is connected with what they do. Yeah. So the yeah. so the person who can't do anything is by by definition, valueless. Yep. And so we have the problem that, that you had in Nazi Germany of, of people that didn't, comp- you know, who weren't looked upon as having any value because they didn't, they weren't seen as contributing to the society. Yeah, because isn't it? Of that, yeah. You know? Yeah, is, is, that, is that a problem you you think more generally? In, 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 in yeah, the, uh, absolutely. You know? And yet, I think it's it's a a a a, a problem which. Uh, crosses or, or stands in contradiction to our normal instincts even mm-hmm. um you know so so we talk for example of of the 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 Jews in Nazi Germany and their treatment the the the, the mm-hmm. Germans treatment of the Jew and uh, but what we recognize is this they treated them as subhuman yeah, okay, because we recognize it. that there is a way to treat a human yeah, yeah. which is different. Uh, yeah, and mm-hmm. you know this is this is you know in, inherent in us. You know, I remember speaking to a man on one occasion who, uh, you know, was was talking about slavery and the evils of slavery, but but he happened to be a, an atheist, and and I asked him yeah. in the course of it, you know, on on his view, mm-hmm. um, what would be wrong with keeping a human being as uh, someone that served me and uh you know he, he protested a bit but but i said but surely it's no problem having a dog as a pet and it's no problem having a horse to ride on and owning it and using it for your own pleasure but he recognized as we all do that a human being is not simply another animal there is something unique as to human value uh, which sets them apart. And yeah. even though his own viewpoint, if held consistently, would diminish the value of human beings uh, to be the same as the value of the, that, that which is around them, yet mm. there is this inherent uh, resistance yeah. to that notion. Um, I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the it's... Bible gives a proper explanation, I think, of, of why we value humans. Just looking at it from a different angle, the, the Bible gives a proper it gives the grounding for why we value humans, generally speaking, as of greater value than, than other creatures. Yeah. And uh, however, there is a sense in which as if as a society, we move away from 
absolutely these, yeah. these bigger principles you've cut, yeah. got out of the picture um you, you have to ask yourself well people will take that thinking one two three more four more steps you know yeah, the more consistent they are yeah with, with their, their presuppositions the more human beings will be devalued uh, which is really problematic and, and and we see it through genesis don't we you know that the kind of you come into Genesis, the later chapters, and, and you know, Genesis 3, 4, uh, as, as, as God is left out of the picture, ungodliness breeds in unrighteousness in that sense. And and when God is devalued in the human psyche, I mean, the God of the Bible, when he's devalued, what, what happens is that there's a, devalue, a devaluing of man in that sense. You know, people, whether it be murder, as you mentioned in chapter 9, uh, or, or, or other things, you know, um, and so we we can expect that to happen in a society that sets steps away from God, and we see it sadly in, in Western society in many different ways. Yeah, um, that's helpful. Maybe just finally, we'll we'll kind of tie this up um, these these verses up. Um, it goes on to well, we mentioned the idea of of dominion. That's that's really here as well. Um, let him have dominion. Um, do you see that linking back to the image? I think we've maybe touched on that already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. I, I think yeah. that because we represent God to something, mm-hmm. uh, then uh, that that links with the idea of authority and respect of creation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And and then of course there's this big point that's made at the end of, of verse twenty seven, um, that that again is, is is under attack in a different way in in in, in our our world today, um, where it says that. And the Lord quotes this, of course, as well. Uh, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. It's underlining this, really, isn't it? Um, male and female, he created them. Um, it's interesting because he's going to mention in chapter two, there's going to be mention of, of how the female was created. Mm-hmm. But there's very specific mention at this point of, of male and female yeah. because we're dealing with, I take it, mankind. Um, in that sense, is, is that the way you see it? Yeah, um, yeah. The the distinction is obviously divinely made mm. um, mm-hmm. here, which I think is important maybe to see in in yeah. the present day that there is a distinction which is divinely made uh, between the male and mm-hmm. the female, the the, the two. Um, and another thing to notice is that the the distinction doesn't speak to the issue of value at all. And that is both male and female are made in the image of God. So both have the same value. There's no sense in which the the male here represents uh, God in a sense that the female doesn't in in this verse at all. Uh, Chapter two, as as you know, is going to introduce the whole subject of roles uh, between the the different uh, sexes. But, at this point, there's just this, this recognition that as God created man at the beginning, there's a tremendous value that was that, uh-huh. that they possess as a result of uh, their uniqueness in creation. Uh-huh. And, you know, Andrew, I was just thinking there, you know, we're, we're talking through that and we're thinking of it maybe just um, generally and maybe doctrinally, and it's all uh, very important, but it, it does place a big responsibility uh, upon us in our treatment of other people. That, yeah. that, that's that's one of the big emphases, I think, that is 
placed on this. Um, you know, if, if people are of great, if every person is of great value, then we should treat every person as valuable. Um, you know, recently I was studying through through Mark's gospel and on one occasion, chapter nine, the Lord, he, he instructs his disciples on serving and he takes this young child up and he puts them in the middle of the group of the disciples. Uh, and he says to the disciples, he says, whoever receives one of these little children receives me. And whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. Mm-hmm. And what he's, he's saying simply, I, I take it, is that our attitude to the weak and the small and the vulnerable mm-hmm. and those that are not valued um, in, in our culture, our attitude to them really reveals our attitude to God mm-hmm. um, and to the Lord. And so there, there's, there's a very powerful um, practical um, yes. implication to this yes. recognition, isn't it? It's, it's almost like Peter mentions, um, you know, that thing of honouring all men, you know, honour all. Yeah. You say, well, okay, right. Why, Peter? Well, well, the basis of it is here, isn't it? It's like, because intrinsically, it's, it's not to do with how that person is necessarily behaved yeah, here. Absolutely. It's yeah. to do with what that person is inherently as a creation of God. And, and I think I think it's important too, because... I mean, I think we need to be careful to even in times when, you know, times of war, like we're in now, um, we don't start to dehumanize Absolutely. Other, other people. Yeah. Um, and because that, that is the way towards, first of all, it's the way towards hatred, but it's also the way, way, way towards not recognizing that they are human and not recognizing that they are creations of God. Now, they are often behaving in a despicable way that needs to be called out. Yes, That's not what we're speaking about here. But it's just in that sense in which I think we need to be careful how we speak of them, that we are still speaking of them as human beings. Yeah. Uh, maybe maybe that's worth keeping in mind as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that, that's really helpful. Um, I think, I think the next time we'll maybe look at um, the purpose that God has for uh, humanity, that God has a plan for man in that sense that really, if we grasp it, will help us even as individuals in, in, in the 21st century. But uh, thank you, David. Uh, have you anything else to add? Uh, no, it's been a pleasure to be with you. And uh, It has been. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for your helpful insights. And uh, there's just so much in these texts. So we'll trust that the podcast will be a blessing to someone. Take care now and God bless. Thank you. Bye.